Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Faith and Family as we continue our series, Common Christian Problems, in that Christians very often are subjected to the very same problems that non-Christians have. And today and next episode, we're going to be talking about rapid onset transgenderism and the twofold ways to respond. I better define what I'm talking about here, because when I say rapid onset transgenderism, the problem of transgender, transgenderism excuse me, has been around for a century, or at least been studied for a century, but the rapid onset transgenderism is something that parents need to be aware of because there's a growing epidemic of teens and even tweens who suddenly come out as transgender without any prior knowledge and they're uncomfortable with their sex. And these are spontaneous outbreaks that come as a complete shock to their parents. Now, I am suggesting a twofold method of response to this. And the reason is, one is more of a public response, namely the political, the legislative, and the judicial. Now, those aren't necessarily family topics, but what's going on in the political, legislative, and judicial world is impacting families directly, not even indirectly. So we're going to cover that. And our response, in a nutshell, is that we should vigorously fight this. And unfortunately, the political fight, as you're going to hear today, is in a very significant measure already lost. Uh, we've, we've let things get way down the line on this. But secondly, how should parents respond to their children? What should be pastoral and counseling care and responses to individual teenagers, college students who all of a sudden claim they're transgender. And uh, unlike the first response, which is to push back and to fight, I'm suggesting the Good Shepherd's response, uh, gentle and gracious and providing assistance and help to wandering sheep. So there's two rather different modes of responding to this, depending if it's public or if it's in a family or with an individual. But today we're talking about the political, legal, and judicial. Vice President Joe Biden's been in the news a lot lately, and in January of 2020, he said this, quote, let's be clear, transgender equality is the civil rights issue of our time. There is no room for compromise when it comes to basic human rights. And he has said, becomes president of the United States, he wants new legislation, you're gonna be hearing about this towards the end of the broadcast, called the Equality Act during the first 100 days of his administration. So let's go around the country a little bit, and not too far from me, about 90 miles away, is Charlotte, North Carolina. And in 2016, Charlotte became national news when the city council passed an ordinance uh, prohibiting discrimination of sexual orientation or gender identity 
in public restrooms, bathrooms. And this became a huge issue. And then there was like gasoline added to the fire. That was a, a law passed by the Charlotte City Council. And a month later, the North Carolina Senate passed another bill called House Bill Number 2, which was the Public Facilities Privacy and Security Act, which basically legislated for the state the direct opposite, saying that people can only use bathrooms that correspond to the sex on their birth certificates. And so you had a, a state literally ripped apart. But it didn't stay in North Carolina. It went across the nations because sports teams, businesses threatened multi-million dollar boycotts of North Carolina because of the bathroom bill. Uh, Bruce Springsteen said he wasn't coming. Same with Ringo Starr. Uh, PayPal wanted to boycott expanding their business in North Carolina. Several conventions threatened boycotts. And then to top it all off, President Obama's Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against the North Carolina governor, all because of a bathroom bill. So if you think this is just a, a little something, uh, I think uh, at least there are a lot of people lined up with uh, Joe Biden and think that this is the issue of our time and there is no room for compromise. Let's go out west, halfway, Colorado. The Colorado Civil Rights Commission has issued rules stating that, quote, all covered entities, that's public entities, shall allow individuals the proper use of gender-segregated facilities that are consistent with their gender identity. In other words, they have to be able to use restrooms, according to their gender identity, locker rooms, dressing rooms, and dormitories. And what is gender identity? It means your innate sense of one's own gender. In other words, your own subjective feelings determine your rights to restrooms, locker rooms, dressing rooms, and dormitories. That's Colorado. Going out to California, California has a long list of regulations regarding transgender, but Governor Newsom, who's always seems to be in the, in the news, signed a law requiring California to house prison transgender inmates based on their gender identity, provided there aren't management or security concerns. Now, I've done a fair amount of prison ministry in the past, and to say that you're going to put people who subjectively, uh, like say a, a male inmate, maybe one who is even guilty of violence, um, maybe even violence against women who then all of a sudden self-identify and put in the women's section of a prison. Um, this is borderline nuts, if you ask me, but this is what's going on. And then I got to thinking while I was preparing this, this episode, I wonder what's going on here in South Carolina. Lo and behold, I didn't know this until this week in the past, there's a town, Somerville, South Carolina. It's down near Charleston area. The U.S. Department of Ed Education uh, required a South Carolina school district to let a transgender elementary school student use the restroom, which he, who is now a she, identifies. And uh, this was President Barack Obama's administration 
directing public schools to allow transgender students to use bathrooms and locker rooms that match their gender identity. You know, (laughs) it's confusing enough to grow up in today's world. I can't imagine as a child in elementary school that boys are using girls' locker rooms and vice versa, but the Federal Office of Civil Rights said that uh, they were violating Title IX protections against discrimination, and so they're required to do this. And if Vice President Biden becomes President of the United States, some folks have wisely said that it will probably be the Obama administration number two. In other words, it'll be a continuation of what happened under President Obama. And even here in pretty conservative South Carolina, the Obama administration pushed through an elementary school transgender child to use bathrooms of whatever identity they saw themselves. Let's go overseas for a moment go to Norway. Uh, Norway is a country that I have uh, long wished to visit. Um, My mother's side of the family came from Norway way, way, way back. But uh, I can't believe what has happened in Norway. Just within the last 30 days, Norway expanded its hate speech laws to add gender, gender identity, or gender expression. And it passed very quickly. Just one reading, boom, passed. Okay, now what does that mean? Well, based on the new penal code in Norway, people found in violation of public hate speech can be jailed for up to three years, jailed for up to three years for their speech. Now, in addition, the legislation says that if you criticize or use, quote, hate speech, unquote, in private, you can get fined or maybe a year in jail or up to a year in jail for your speech. Boy, you could say, I am so glad that things will never happen here in the U.S. like what's going on in Norway. I wouldn't be so sure. Uh, Here's why. This week I went to the New York City's transgender law. It was 11 very detailed pages, kind of like one of those um, multi-paged insurance policies that they're so small you can't read. In New York, the commission imposing these transgender laws can impose civil penalties of up to $125,000 for, quote, hate speech against transgenders. Now, if it's something that's willful, wanton, and malicious and public, like repeated public refusal to use requested pronouns, the fine can be $250,000. 
Okay, so this isn't tomorrow. This isn't some uh, distant future societal collapse. This is today. You could be fined up to a quarter of a million dollars for using the wrong speech in New York City, USA. Now, you might say to yourself, well, that's just crazy uh, New York City. And I'm, I'm afraid it's not just you, New York City, because at least in my estimation, we have already, already lost much or even most of the political and legal battle. I think, well, what are you talking about? Well, all eyes on the political scene were focused on a presidential election and all this year and the coronavirus and the economic uh, reversals as a result of the lockdowns and a number of other things. People were under stress and I don't know, the, the news just seemed to be focused on one thing and that was the coronavirus and the consequences of that. But there is an important milestone in the United States this year, June 15th, 2020. And on June 15th, the Supreme Court of the United States passed legislation adding transgender to the 1964 civil rights legislation. Now, somebody listening, if you're awake here, you would say, Steve, you just made a mistake. The Supreme Court is a judicial body, not a legislative body. It's not their right or privilege to pass legislation, only to make judicial rulings. But what the court has been doing, you could dare say since Roe versus Wade, they've been legislating. And to add a clause to an existing law is the is the job of Congress, not the job of the Supreme Court. But that's not the way things have been going for the past several decades. And the U.S. Supreme Court added transgender to the 1964 civil rights legislation, June 15, 2020. You're going to look back on June 15th. You might not pay a whole lot of attention to it right now, but this is going to be a watershed in this whole transgender issue. And I'm not talking about approaching private individuals here. Remember, I said there's two ways to approach this. And I have a totally gentle, very good shepherd approach to helping individuals suffering from this type of situation. But this episode, we're talking about the federal, state, and local governments just pushing this down your throat, literally gagging you and even your speech. Now, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 has extended civil rights protection against transgenders in hiring and firing, and yet everybody knows this is just the crack in the dam, so to speak, because the impact of the uh, civil rights law about transgender in hiring and firing has a potential to have a much wider and broader impact. They'll take this precedent and then start adding lawsuits on things other than hiring and firing. Okay. Now, 
this is kind of like this is going from bad to worse. But the majority opinion for this watershed legislation imposed by the U.S. Supreme Court was drafted by the so-called conservative Justice Neil Gorsuch, the one who was raised Catholic and appointed by President Trump. He was supposed to be the big conservative, and conservatives, you know, recognize and honor the original intent of the Constitution, and they realize our Constitution doesn't allow Supreme Court to going making legislation additions to a bill. That's the job of Congress, and yet that's what we have on the Supreme Court. And then that majority was also joined by Catholic Justice Roberts, also appointed by President Trump, and one of the so-called conservative members of the Supreme Court. So how, how does this get reversed when your so-called conservatives play key roles in passing legislation that could have a devastating transformative effect on our country? It could be way beyond employment, housing, public accommodations, education, business transaction, and just any number of costly lawsuits to employers. Now, right now, there's going to be a election runoff in Georgia. And this isn't political commentary because I'm just concerned <laughs> what's going to happen to families. If Republicans lose that runoff in January 2021 in Georgia, the U.S. Senate will flip to Democratic control, okay? And if that happens, there's something called the Equality Act that will become law. Um, Vice President Biden says he will sign it. He's for it. It's a priority. It's the center of civil rights. It's the issue of our time. It'll be done in the first hundred days of his administration. Now, <laughs> I'm not a political expert, but some Republicans are telling the good folks in Georgia, the Republican folks, not to vote in some kind of protest. Now, my personal view, and again, who am I, but such recommendations of not voting in this Senate runoff in Georgia is absolute and utter insanity. Because what's going to happen to American families as a result of this is that the entire weight and law of the United States government is going to come flying down on schools, on colleges, everybody who takes and receives federal money. The Equality Act will threaten religious colleges and universities, and it'll probably even go down further, but it will forbid uh, college students from using federal tuition assistance, and who can afford college without some assistance? Um, they won't get assistance to, at colleges that discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation, that's homosexuality, or gender identity, that's a transgender issue. That means that any Christian university 
that has a code of conduct prohibiting homosexual behavior or say it doesn't let biological males compete in women's sports teams, they'll lose their federal aid. And this, <laughs> this could be occurring in less than 120 days from the recording of this broadcast. And I will add to this, many Catholic churches and schools or the students in Catholic schools accepted government aid during the coronavirus lockdown. And I can see the reasoning behind taking the aid. If the government <laughs> shuts down the economy, they should certainly pay the consequences for their shutdown requirements. But hear this, becoming dependent on government aid is not smart in today's world. We are right in the middle of a monumental change. This landmark decision by the Supreme Court on June 15th coupled with a simple runoff election for the U.S. Senate. And I must say, the House of Representatives in Washington during 2020 has already passed the Equality Act. It's already been passed. It just needs the Senate. And it comes down to what happens in the runoff in Georgia. Now, I know there's a lot of political reasons for the runoff. I'm just saying on behalf of families trying to put a bulwark against what's going on, uh, I would urge Republicans to vote uh, their conscience. Now, also, I predict that if we don't push back very hard, that Christian counseling for teens struggling with transgender issues will become illegal. Now, you might say, well, you know, I, I got a lot of things to worry about this week. I'm not going to worry about that. Well, let's, let's, let's bring it home. What if it's your child? I have talked with good Catholic parents whose children became infatuated and then began practicing um, open homosexuality. And they wanted to get counseling for that child. In many places in the United States, that counseling that I recommended, that's been recommended on EWTN and a number of solid Catholic outlets as well as evangelical outlets called reparative therapy, uh, founded by Joseph Nicolosi, has become illegal in a number of states, like California. Republican Governor New Jersey signed a law against it. Even cities like Gainesville, Florida, where I went to college for a couple of years, uh, has outlawed this. And so if your child was in need of help, and then you find out, ooh, that help isn't available, I believe I was the first Catholic uh, media host to interview Dr. Nicolosi. Um, I also warned that it at some point would become illegal to do this. I had to resign my membership in a nationwide counseling association because of all of this, because I do advocate reparative therapy, helping people with unwanted same-sex attractions. I also said 
repeatedly that Dr. Nicolosi's book, um, the book that helps parents prevent homosexuality, is going to be very difficult to get. Try getting it on Amazon. Wasn't there yesterday. It's very difficult. His son, I believe you can get copies of, and his name is Joseph Nicolosi Jr. He may be able to get you copies, but I warned this. And the same thing with the counseling for transgender is going to become illegal unless we push back. Now some good news. Just, I don't know, it was maybe last week or two, the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals struck down a Florida counseling ban on youth wishing to eliminate unwanted same-sex attractions or gender confusion thanks to the Liberty Council. They did a suit, went to the Court of Appeals, and they won. It got overturned. And some of these, you know, you have to fight, okay? So part one of this is we need to fight because this is wanting to control education. This is wanting to control uh, individual speech. And to me, it was very interesting at uh, Jordan Peterson, who I don't fully understand, but I know a lot of young men are really taken with him and his 12 rules for life. But I found it interesting that uh, he kind of had his claim to fame when Canada had a speech law about uh, transgender and all this. And he said he would refuse to acknowledge somebody by their transgendered name or pronoun as it was required by the government because he saw speech laws as a form of totalitarianism. And then, you know, I knew this. I know this was part of Jordan Peterson's claim to fame and also his courage. And by the way, I think in his classrooms, he even addresses transgenders uh, according to their preferred pronoun. But his point was he wouldn't do it on controlled speech by the government. But Peterson wrote a foreword to a new edition of Alexander Solzhenitsyn's The Gulag Archipelago, the slave labor camps in Soviet Union, where you just mention a word against the party and you end up in Siberia. He sees that the beginning of speech laws are the beginning of totalitarianism and it needs to be resisted. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 314 of Faith and Family Radio. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org.